thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. Hello, and today we'll be looking at the issues affecting business as a result of the energy shortages we're all currently seeing. This is the first of two podcasts focusing on this important and increasingly problematic area. So why are we facing these problems? What's going on in different parts of the world? And what can businesses do to help themselves? Today, I'm delighted to welcome Claire Burden. Claire is a partner at Smith & Williamson in the UK and she specialises in corporate turnaround and restructuring. She supports and advises businesses on their strategy. So, hi Claire, how are you? Hello, very good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. So, come on, tell us all about the situation in the UK because lots of people have been talking about it. Yeah, it's all a bit nuts in the market at the moment, isn't it? There's gas shortages, price rises of both power, electricity and gas in the UK. Um, consumers are a bit protected from that because they've got a price cap for um, for their day-to-day energy bills. Um, but the UK is one of the world's biggest gas, natural gas users. So we use 85% of our homes use gas for central heating. And we also use yeah. gas to generate a third <laughs> of our electricity. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's a huge amount of gas that we use in the UK. And, and that's really caused a problem for us as the, as the prices have risen across the world. So, uh, I mean, how does the energy market work here? Because we have a bit of, a, well, I'm in the UK as well. So um, I, I do, I am aware from my own gas bills, <laughs> things are a bit different at the moment. So I spend <laughs> my whole time telling the children to turn everything off at every given opportunity. <laughs> but, um, but how does the energy market work here? And why have there been these shortages? What's going on? Yeah, so so I guess gas is the big issue for us at the moment. So I'll, I'll start with that one. So we had a cold winter last year, so we used up a lot of our gas storage. Um, and at the same time, this year, we haven't managed to rebuild our storage capacity um, because of lockdown maintenance that we've then pushed forward into this year from last year um, and also some closed storage capacity sites. So now we're at the level of 8% of the total storage that, say, Germany has, for example, or 5% of Italy. We've got tiny, tiny amounts wow, of gas storage not- in the UK. <laughs> Yeah. And so as a result, we import probably 50, 60% of our gas, mainly from Norway. So we've not been impacted by Russia too much because less than 5% comes from Russia. Um, But but the impact of the prices being up worldwide from issues like Russia has really impacted on us, Um, along with our storage means that we just haven't been resilient to those, those worldwide adjustments. Right. And I, I mean, the, quite a few of the businesses here have um, gone out, quite a few of the energy companies here have gone out of business, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what's going on there? Because it's not just one or two. It, it, how many yeah. is it all together? In now? the last couple of months, over 20 energy oh businesses goodness. in the UK have gone bust. They're mostly small energy companies. Um, the first ones that went bust were the ones that cover homes because of that gap, because of that price cap that we've got in the UK. Um, they, they're really, really impacted because they can't pass the price increases on to the customers. Right. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, we're actually seeing more business energy suppliers as well going bust. And All this right. is covering a few million customers. Like They're small, but they're still impacting the market. 
Absolutely. So what happens when an energy company goes under? I mean, how do, what happens to the customers? What happens in terms yeah. of their supply, you know, all the sort of running and the day-to-day running of these companies? Yeah. What happens to them? So we, we have a really good process in the UK called the Supplier of Last Resort, which is one run by the government. Um, and that process takes um, the customer book of any failed supplier and transfers it over to a new business. What happened previously was that businesses used to bid for customer books because they used to be right. profitable. But this year, they're not at all profitable because if you're buying a customer, um, you you can only sell them, say, a thousand pounds worth of of power at the price cap, but you're having to pay two thousand pounds worth um, to buy the energy for that for right. that customer going forwards. Um, so at the moment, there's a process where all of these customers are being divided up between all of the other suppliers and, and transferred over. So the customer doesn't notice any difference and they're in, they've got their price caps, so they're okay. Uh, yeah. But the business is um, just passing, we're just passing around losses. So we're going to have a domino effect across the industry where other suppliers that, that were okay, that have now taken on loss-making customers are now impacted and they might go bust. And then you might end up with only a few big energy suppliers in the UK market, which is what we had 20, 30 years ago. So it's a big full circle. Right. That That's really strange, isn't it? It's sort of you going back to something 30 years ago at a time where we should be pus- pushing ahead with green energy and making exactly. real fundamental change. So what is the future of energy in the UK? I think there's a few different kind of ways that we're approaching it. So, so the government has announced a big push into wind. So that's mostly large offshore big wind sites. Um, and the business, and the government wants to really invest in that area. So, so I think we'll see a lot of growth in that. We've got two new nuclear power sites being built, um, in the UK. So I think that will provide, um, at least some carbon you know, carbon reduced energy, right. even if it's not particularly renewable. Solar, I don't think we're going to see too much more um, because we've got a lot of the UK covered in solar and we're not a big, you know, sunshine country over in, <laughs> over in the UK. It's, it's, not, rain. it's not a strong point here, is it? Yeah, we, we need a renewable energy source from rain, I think, and we'd be, we'd be winning. Um, <laughs> but also one of the things that the government's trying to do really is get incentivised homes to do more insulation, Ground source heat pumps yeah. are a big investment um, that the government's subsidising people to buy heat pumps for their homes um, and mainly to change us all from our massive gas usage, from our gas boilers that we've all got in our homes to a different kind of electricity or uh, a, yeah, a heat pump kind of based system. Yeah, we'll have to get everybody cycling under their desks (laughs) (laughs) drive our fuel at home. (laughs) So, I mean, how is this going to impact business in the, you know, in the the UK? How, what, what does this mean for businesses? It's huge. And also today, I can't even begin to get my head around it. Yeah, it's absolutely huge because of course, businesses don't have that price cap. So any increases that are going through in the market at the moment are just being passed on to businesses. Um, Some of them have been protected because they've entered into a year fixed deal um, and they'll start to get higher bills from coming months or maybe after the winter. But the issue is, is that small businesses, so 97% of our businesses in the UK are are small businesses, um, they don't really have any ability to cushion themselves. Whereas bigger businesses, like I'm working with McDonald's at the moment, and and they have power purchase agreements with um, renewable sites and things. So they can can bulk buy, they can hedge their own energy usage. They have a lot more tools available to them to not be as impacted. So it's really going to be the small businesses hurt that already squeezed from, you know, COVID and all the other issues that we've had. 
Do you think sort of those kind of buying arrangements, if they had some sort of central organisation that bought for all the small businesses, would that be the way forward for them? Absolutely. Yeah, we're seeing in we're seeing in the UK lots of communities, as in homes, are collaborating together to bulk buy energy. And if businesses did the same thing, small businesses, they'd really be winning from this. We haven't seen it yet, um, but it's a really good way forward. Right. And what do they need to do in the short term? So the sitting at their desk listening to this today, what's your advice? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is just try and use less. Um, we're seeing so so in the UK, one percent of the total power that we use in the UK is from fridges in in shops and supermarkets and things really? that have open fronts. Um, so I think it's things like see what you can do to minimise the usage. So put put fronts on your you know on your fridge in your deli if you've got a small business that's running a deli, for example, um, yeah. and insulate and all that kind of stuff. Um, Cost savings, shop around where you can try and try and fix prices and just at least know what your what your cost is. But these businesses are seeing 60-70% increases in their in their power prices. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's a case of just seeing what they can do to to try and mitigate some of that. Maybe invest in some on-site renewables like rooftop solar if they're able to yeah. in their building. Um, but but they're quite minor things really in the face of this big cost. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a bigger problem than just a couple of solar panels in the UK. Absolutely. you. <laughs> Well, that's brilliant, Claire. Thank you so much. Thank you. So now we turn to Brazil and Germany and the man who can represent both. I'm joined by Rainer Colgan. He describes himself on LinkedIn as an experienced grey-haired type of expert for turnaround, restructuring and organisational change. He is senior advisor at PP&C, independent auditors in Brazil. He is in fact German and now works between the two countries. So hello, Rainer. How are you today? And where are you this time? Hello, Rebecca. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm in Germany today. Oh, makes a change from Brazil. I never know where I'm going to find you next time I speak to you. It is. I've um, been in Germany since the last three weeks, enjoying the nice uh, winter weather uh, (laughs) of Western Germany with uh, clouded skies, five degrees Celsius. Lovely. And some rain once in a while. Yeah, it's just like England. It's so different. <laughs> so talk to me about Germany and Brazil, because obviously they're really different countries and there must be lots of big contrasts between the two. But in terms of all these energy shortages, well, you know, what are you seeing? Well, the uh, countries are uh, obviously different. The, the economy's population size is, is very different. Uh, Brazil's population is two and a half times larger than Germany's and, and the country is the... Uh, fifth largest um, uh, in, in terms of size, actually, in um, area worldwide. And the energy mix is also very different. While many European countries are looking uh, to really switch energy from coal, gas, and oil to renewable energies, Brazil has already an energy mix with roughly two-thirds um, in uh, renewables, maybe a little bit more uh, counting a little bit of wind and solar power. The main uh, portion of that renewable energy are hydropower plants, uh, which are distributed uh, throughout the country. Some are in the northern parts in the Amazon region. Right. And uh, some are in the south, southeast, uh, towards the state of Sao Paulo, or uh, even uh, one at the border to Paraguay, and uh, Argentina, the, the largest um, hydropower plant in Latin America. 
really that's true I, I had no I didn't know that you used that type of energy there I, I always associate it more with whales than the rain there so that's really no no it's um the, 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 the hydropower uh development started already in the late 50s and then 60s uh and then during the uh, military regime it was really um as, as there was a lot of construction involved and a lot of money to be made when you build huge dams and power plants, uh, it was really a a program um, which the uh, former military regime in the 60s and 70s developed, uh, which in the long run was was fairly good. So how are the shortages affecting Brazil at the moment? I mean, are there shortages in Brazil? Um, There were shortages expected um, at the end of last year. Uh, so until November, uh, the forecast was that maybe by um, end of December, mid-January, end of January, we would have uh, either rationing or really um, shortages and, and, and uh, shutdowns in certain areas because the level of the reservoirs was at an all-time low. Um, and uh, below a certain point, it's really not feasible to uh, run the large turbines anymore. You just need water uh, to do that. Um, and uh, so the forecast was really, really bad. Um, and in in hindsight of that, the government contracted a um, certain amount of energies for this year with um, gas-powered power plants. So the structure in Brazil is that the bulk is really uh, relying on the hydrogen, uh, hydro energy uh, plants and a little bit solar and wind. And uh, there is a certain percentage of 10, 15%, which is from gas powered uh, power plants. Um, and there is some reserve capacity with those uh, power plants that run on gas. Uh, but the, it has to be contracted. So the government uh, contracted certain amounts of energy for this year from the gas power plants, uh, paid a, a stiff price, yeah. uh, which consumers now have to pay over, I think, the next three or four years uh, as a supplement to the energy bills. Out. And then uh, a miracle happened uh, towards the end of November, early December, and what the meteorologists call uh, an unusual um, meteorological situation happened in the southern Atlantic, um, <laughs> bringing lots of rain. And, and um, you always have to keep in mind that in Brazil, it's right now summer. Uh, summer is the, 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 the wet season, but it's more starting towards the end of summer. So like February, March, uh, in April, that's when most of the rain is coming down. And for whatever reason, uh, it started to rain end of November in several parts of the country, uh, also in Sao Paulo, where I live. And it really didn't, uh, it felt like it didn't stop for for weeks. Uh, It probably did once in a while. (laughs) But we got so much rain uh, and the reservoirs filled that... There is no energy shortage, at least uh, regarding the the electricity at the moment. Um, We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, because now um, is the time, well, end of January, February, when in in a normal climate situation, the rain would usually pick up. Yes. Uh, You would have more rain showers and uh, reservoirs would rise. Um, 
and what what is actually happening right now is that we have heat waves and no rain. So who knows what's going to the I'm, future? I'm, holds. I'm not going to make any more forecasts. <laughs> no, leave leave that to for, the professionals. For, for, yeah, for, <laughs> for longer than five days, if yeah. uh, Brazilian reservoirs will run out of water or not. Yeah, it's difficult. So, how does that contrast with Germany? Well, Germany has a different uh, structure with um, with its energy mat- matrix. Um, Germany is still relying heavily on gas and on coal. Um, the former government from um, Chancellor Merkel made a decision a couple of years, like two, three years ago, to uh, shut down the coal-fired power plants. Right. But with a very long um, time frame to really shut down the last one, I think it's it's running until 2030-something, so it's, it's still more than 10 years. The new government has plans to really um, shut down the coal-fired power plants a little bit sooner. But in the short term, right now, what we have is, uh, like everyone else has it in, in Europe, uh, in the worldwide, we have um, very expensive gas prices. Yes. And Germany relies, on, <clears throat> to a large extent, on natural gas. Uh, most of that is coming from Russia through several pipelines. Um, there is one pipeline that runs through the Ukraine, uh, Poland, and then comes to Germany. There is one pipeline that comes through the Baltic Sea, Nord Stream 1, and there is the much uh, discussed and, and disputed Nord Stream 2, which is still not active, but basically is uh, alongside Nord Stream 1, yes. coming from Russia through the Baltic Sea. So really, we've got a couple of issues here, haven't we? It's the sort of the climate change and what's going on with the environment and that the energy is becoming unpredictable with that, as, you, as you're seeing in Brazil. We've also got these political issues kicking into energy as well, as we're now seeing with Germany and Russia. Yes, and in, in especially in, in Germany, you have political issues uh, or more strategic issues in, in, in more than one dimension. Uh, one is the high dependence on German gas supply, which comes from Russia. Uh, and most of that uh, really still comes through pipelines that go through Ukraine uh, and Poland. And one of the reasons why the pipelines through the Baltic Sea were constructed, I know that all the German governments, the actual one, the one from Merkel, uh, the ones before, always said that the pipelines through the Baltic Sea are a private business issue, but the uh, the Russian um, shareholder is a state-owned company. So it, it's really difficult to say that's a private business issue. Uh, when, when you're saying, okay, I want to diminish the dependence at least from any quarrels between Russia and Ukraine or Russia and uh, Poland, cutting off the main supply, <clears throat> and I want to have a direct line to Russia. That's, that's one of the issues. Do you think they're going to have to completely restructure the energy industry then? Is everybody just going to have to totally rethink the way it's done? Uh, yes, yes. I, 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 I do think so. Um, because the one of the other dimensions is the, the speed, which was the new government, um, which has the Green Party um, as part of federal government, um, the second time only in, in German history, they're heavily focused on changing the energy matrix um, as soon as possible. And certain things 
take time. Um, there, there are permits. There are, so you, you can do things to accelerate, uh, but you cannot build a, a completely new energy infrastructure within, I don't know, seven, eight, or 10 years. <clears throat> that usually takes takes more time than a government normally lasts. Um, so I understand that they're really in a hurry, uh, but things will take 10, 15 years. Uh, and some ideas that they put into the government program, like one that um, as of 2021, uh, no, sorry, 2025, which is the three years, all the heating systems in new buildings um, have to use renewable energy, which means oil is completely uh, off the table, gas is off the table. Uh, it's going to be difficult to to do all that uh, within three years. I mean, you've got sort of different, you've got the government pulling, you've got consumer attitudes, and then you've got the green lobby as well. And everybody's pulling sort of almost against each other at the moment rather than working together. Do you, I mean, in Germany, I think you've got issues around the wind turbines, which I know we do here with people not wanting them on their doorstep. They don't mind them existing, but they don't want them at the back of the house. Do they? <laughs> Is that true in Germany, I think, as well? Well, generally... Uh, the population in Germany is positive towards uh, renewable energy as long as it's not really right next to your doorstep. Uh, especially for when, when, when we're talking about um, wind turbines, yes, they make noise. Yes, uh, they're, they're not pretty, but they have to be somewhere. Um, most of the wind turbines are actually, for several reasons, um, in, in the eastern part of Germany, and in the northern part, uh, because wind uh, conditions in the northern part between the North Sea and the Baltic Sea, they're much, much better than in the south. Uh, but these are also areas which are less densely populated than the southern and western parts of Germany. So that's where actually the wind turbines should be, or, or more of them should be. Um, and they're in, yeah, I don't want to say the wrong places, but then you need uh, distribution networks to get the energy from the north to the south. This is always going to be the issue, isn't it? It's where you're making the energy and where it needs to be. But I mean, it's hard for business because they're kind of stuck in the middle of all these sort of rivaling groups who all want different things. And and they really do need to make sure that their energy supply um, continues and, and isn't too expensive because, I mean, it's really crippling some businesses in this country now. So, I mean, what what can... What can business do? How can they adopt a different energy policy? What can they do to help themselves, do you think? Well, business um, have to face several issues right now, not only the rise uh, of the, the energy prices and looking for alternatives to reduce the energy consumption, um, being more efficient in, in, let's say, transformation industries, implementing new technologies, uh, but at the same time, companies have to prepare themselves to really document their uh, CO2 footprint, uh, which most companies haven't started yet. Uh, they're still waiting what the official, let's say, rules will be to document and, and process this. But um, on the other hand, the pressure from environmental groups or consumers that are more aware of um, let's say, their, their own CO2 footprint and uh, for the goods that they purchase uh, will build pressure towards companies to, to work on, let's say, documenting 
CO2 footprints um, and, and knowing what the footprint actually is from stuff they buy and how it's produced. Uh, and companies will look at uh, changes in uh, substituting, let's say, expensive natural gas or any other energy uh, through not really cheap uh, renewable energy. Trying to provide their own, do you think? That might be a possibility. Um, I think that um, there, there are still many roofs in Germany which don't have uh, solar energy on top. Um, and the rising prices that we're seeing right now will probably change that over the next couple of years. Yeah, people are going to be quite desperate and looking for other other options quite quickly. And, and consumers as well. Not only um, industry, I mean, large industries um, negotiate their own prices, uh, but the smaller ones uh, have less room really to negotiate. Uh, there might, we might see some initiatives of, let's say, purchasing cooperatives over the next couple of years. Uh, pooling energy demands uh, for the, the associated members and then maybe uh, negotiating different price uh, schemes that, that they have right now. So do you think this is not just, um, an, you know, for boards sitting looking at this problem in a business, it's not just going to be a problem that's confined to sort of facilities management, is it? This is a fundamental restructuring of their business to deal with the whole green issue and energy as part of that, do you think? I would separate the the energy from what you call the, the green issue. Um, I think for larger companies, uh, they will look closer on maybe moving production from, let's say, highly expensive energy countries in Western Europe to other areas um, in, in the world. That's interesting. Um, regarding the, let's say, the greening of the economy, I think that this will still take a little bit more time. Uh, the, the energy price rise is something we have right now. Uh, we're probably going to have that for the next two or three years, uh, specifically, I think, in, in Western Europe, um, because getting alternative, let's say, gas, like liquid gas from the US or Canada to Europe um, is also not cheap. Uh, so the Russian natural gas actually was the cheapest gas source uh, to have in Europe. Yeah. Any alternative uh, sourcing will will come at a higher price. So we'll probably we'll have what what now is really a shock. We might prices might go down a bit, but we will have substantially, in my view, higher uh, gas price levels over the next couple of years. And if you're a large consumer of gas in in your uh, in your factory. Um, you might think of where the best place is to do, let's say, production. That's really interesting. Thank you so much, Reiner. That's been really helpful and um, really interesting background on Brazil and Germany. Thank you. And thanks very much. It's been great to see you. Great to see you too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers or any of the experts in the 45 firms in 36 countries across the world, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. All views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. 
You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation.